Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuanas Now sent you. Of all the bands in the world, I think the one that was the most overrated because of the art of the music video, it's got to be Duran Duran. Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. If you missed anything in the first hour, you can find it on the podcast. The podcast is available on all your podcasting apps, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify. You know where to find it. Go 
either search Tutel and Nuanas because it's still in the archives, or Nuanas now. You can find it there. Rate, review, subscribe. You can also find it on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Podcast is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Wingate by Wyndham, they got a great January promo going on. Stay two nights in January of 2021, and you get a free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing. All you got to do is book through the hotel directly. So Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, free beer. Anytime, let them make you make let the Wingate make you feel at home, even when you're not. It's time now for the ESPN Roundtable, presented proudly each and every Wednesday, right here in the five o'clock hour by Paradise Falls in Missoula. You can also hear this interview again tomorrow during your lunchtime hour, just a little bit afternoon. And we are now happy to welcome into the ESPN Roundtable. Dan Ryan, he's a Montana native, a big timber product, and now the newly anointed strength and conditioning coach for the University of Montana. Coach Ryan, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Very, very good, and we're very happy to have you. This is definitely an interesting time because, as we know, strength and conditioning coaches any time of the year during football and otherwise in other sports as well. A key position, you're allowed to be in contact with the players, but because this has been, no question, the longest offseason in the history of FCS college football, I think that the fact there was an opening for the strength coach was something of a lot of consternation around Missoula. People were really wondering who's going to come in and take this job over, and now you, congratulations, have this position. Take us through the process, though. I know you go back a long ways with Bobby Houck. You got some Big Sky Conference ties, but how did this exact position uh, land at your feet, and, and how did this all, this whole process play out that led you returning to Missoula? Yeah, like you said, I've known Coach Houck for a long time. We're both Big Timber natives. Um, Bob Sr. and my parents were teachers and coaches together, so the ties go back a long way. Um, but as far as this job at the time, like you said, with the COVID and the long off season and cancellations and all that going on, I wasn't looking for jobs. It wasn't something that was even on my radar. I was just focused on how we were going to move forward into the spring semester with all of our sports at Idaho state going to in season training mode and uh, driving home from work one day and saw my phone, Coach Houck's number pop up and thought it was a little strange. Usually, you know, it's when he's passing through, he gives a call or when we're talking fishing or planning a trip because we still go on annual fishing trips together. Um, but to have that happen in the beginning of December is a little bit surprising. And, you know, I had a little small talk and then he got to the chase and said he had the job open and wanted to know if I was interested, you know, which was shocking and exciting and, you know, a lot of things going on at the same time. So went from there. We talked for a few weeks, let the HR process played out, you know, had some conversations to make sure that I was the right fit for him still. It had been five or six years since we'd coached together, um, make sure I was what he was looking for in his program, make sure it was a good fit for my family and I, and here we are now. We're off and running. Dan, Sean Rainey here. Um, looking forward to meet you in person. And, um, you know, the three of us, all being J-School alums here. Um, That's right. First off, congrats on being the most successful of, of the three. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but just what does it mean to, to come back? And, and obviously, you know, you had an awesome opportunity at Idaho State, and, um, you know, it, it ended up leading you here. But just to, to walk the campus again, to, to be – you know where you where you went to college, things like that. Like, what are the, what's the feelings like? Like, how emotional was that when you when you got back? You know, once I finally made the decision and you know called Coach Houck and said I would step on campus for the first time a, a week or two ago, 
um, it was pretty special. For me, this place, you know, growing up in Montana, we know this is the top level of football in the state. We don't have pro teams, so growing up as a kid, the, the great football players are the, the people I idolize. That's who I wanted to be like. That's who I listened to, you know, grow up listening to Mick on the radio. And so to walk in here and put that Montana name on my chest again was a pretty special moment. And, uh, you know, it's exciting because I think I can relate to the large number of Montana kids we have on our roster because I was those guys. I'm from a small town, grew up, you know, diehard Grizz fan. Everything for me was maroon and silver. So um, it's exciting to finally be in a position to directly affect the program and, and have a hand in the development of all the guys on our team. Dan Ryan joining us. He's the newly anointed strength and conditioning coach for the University of Montana. It is our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. And, Dan, you have a lot of experience working with Coach Alk. First joined up as a a volunteer student manager back in 2006, worked as an undergraduate assistant coach uh, during your time at the University of Montana. And then you're also with Coach Alk during his time in Las Vegas as well from 2010 to 2015. So just take us through what this this entire journey's kind of been like. Uh, A couple moves, uh, but you've been with one of the guys that's had as much success at this level in the Big Sky Conference as, as anybody around. So what's it been like to just kind of follow Coach Elk, have the great success you guys had at Montana, but then also the challenges that existed at UNLV? You know, it wasn't something I ever saw really happening when I first came onto campus in 2006. I just called Coach Elk and told him I wanted to be involved in the football team. I liked sports. Both my parents are coaches. I've been around it my entire life. So it was just something I wanted to be around. So I was volunteering, doing everything from, you know, setting up equipment for practice to running out to pick up the tee, kickoffs on home games, you know, and just kind of work my way up. Um, it's something I enjoyed doing. I wasn't sure that coaching was what I was going to get into. As you guys said, I've, I'm a J school alum. I was working at KPAX at the time. So I was pursuing the, the radio TV direction and the production side. And, um, you know, as I got more and more into it and started working with, more in-depth with Coach Houck and his staff, I, I grew to love it. We had a lot of success um, here in Montana when he made the jump at to UNLV. It was something that it wasn't in my plans right away, but then after talking to him, he asked if I wanted to get involved in the weight room. And so I jumped on. You know, we had some good years there, pretty proud of some of the work we did, making a bowl game for the first time since the turn of the century, still the only bowl game UNLV has been in since 2000. So pretty proud of that. Things didn't end the way we wanted to, but left on good terms with Coach Houck and knew that at some point if our paths crossed, it'd be something that I'd want to jump on and work again. I think his, his core values and the way he runs his programs are, are things that align with how I want to coach as well. So it's it's been a good fit, and I'm excited to be back and part of the, part of the crew again. There's obviously, you know, differing philosophies for coaches when it comes to, like, you know, offensive coordinator, what we're running, and defensive coordinator, things like that. How different are there with the philosophies when it comes to being a strength coach? And and what kind of are, are your focuses? Like, what do you think is, is important in trying to get these kids stronger and built up for a season? There, there are differences, but at the end of the day, we all use a lot of the same exercises and training modalities to get there. Um, I would say that, you know, as you go from staff to staff, some of those changes are evident, but the base is there. I think the number one thing that has been proven and is evident by the way strength coaches are sometimes being the first hired for these head coaches is I kind of see myself in this role as the culture driver. 
you know, I'm, it's my job to carry the same message that Coke, Coach Houck wants with the team every day with these guys. You guys alluded it, to it earlier. I'm one of the only staff members who can have access to these guys year-round. I'm with them every day, get in, you know, learn about them, part of their life a lot. So it's not always about the X's and O's of the strength training, I think. Sometimes our most important role is how we relate to the guys, how we create the culture and drive the core values of the team. When you look at the top levels of, of college football, both the FBS and the FCS, I think it's uh, undeniable that one of the places where Alabama has just completely distanced itself from the field is, is their strength and conditioning and all that goes into that. And then you look at North Dakota State as well. And, that I mean, they've had the same strength and conditioning coach for close to two decades as well. And it seems like they both take somewhat similar philosophies in, in prioritizing power and speed. Where do you fall in terms of just the priorities when it comes to building up those two elements of the game? And is there anything you can take from sort of observing uh, the, the the reigning national champions at both levels of Division One football? You know, the model at Alabama that they've created there is, I think, going to change the industry a little bit. They moved away from Coach Cochran and moved on to Georgia to actually coach special teams. And they brought in two strength coaches. One is the director of the sports science and one is the director of performance. And they're using a lot of the study and research and technology to really drive their training. Um, and like you said, it's, it's power and speed. Um, a lot of these kids have been lifting for a long time. It's becoming more important for them. The strength is there. Now it's where can we get that extra 1%? Where can we get that explosive power? So that's a huge part of what we do here. Um, my program is very Olympic-based. We, we spend a lot of time with Olympic lifts, you know, total body movements on the platform. The majority of our focus is power and speed development. We will spend time in the offset season working on strength development and some endurance and hypertrophy and things like that, but Football is an explosive game. You know, it's three to six seconds of all-out power followed by a relatively long rest. So, you know, the science is showing that the training needs to mimic that. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. I think it's pretty exciting watching what Alabama has done, and there's a lot to learn there. And I hope to, in the future, eventually continue to integrate, you know, technology and, and the numbers and track our guys a little bit more so we can really use what's happening on a daily basis to – modify and drive our training um, day-to-day and individually player-by-player. I don't know if you ever spent any time in the old weight room when you were going to college at Montana, but you come back and you got the Champion Center. So what was it like uh, walking into that uh, majestic place for the first time? You know, it's a decent enough facility, I would say. We can probably be pretty successful here. Um, Not quite the, the, the loving appeal of the old weight room, but uh, no, it's a it's a special place. You got everything you could need. There's you know the equipment's here, the space is here. Great recruiting tool. It's just an awesome place to you know be fortunate enough to walk into every day to work. Makes it pretty enjoyable. Uh, I I remember when they first built it, kind of keeping tabs on it, looking at pictures, kind of looking in when we came up here at from Idaho State to play the Grizz, um, looking through the windows and. You know, none of that did it justice as walking in here. It's, it's it's a pretty incredible facility and rivals a lot of the FBS facilities I've been in over my coaching career. So I'm very, very thankful and fortunate to, to be able to work here. But at the end of the day, you know, all the shiny toys and nice tools and all that don't get it done. Um, they're no substitute for the hard work. So, 
you know, it's not the room that's going to make it. It's it's the effort and attitude and the toughness and discipline that we bring every day in here that's going to have us continue to build on the tradition of Grizzly football. He's Dan Ryan. He's the new football strength and conditioning coach for the Montana Grizzlies. This is our ESPN Roundtable presented each Wednesday by Paradise Falls. And, Coach, on that exact element, you, you, you put the words right into my mouth. I know a lot of guys that played for the Grizz in the mid-2000s when uh, the weight room was less than uh, exemplary, less than the, the, the shining uh, n- new epic place that it is now. But they all talk about how it was kind of this uh, cumulative rallying point. Like, hey, we're going to be in this place and we're going to grind. We're going to we're going to put our nose to the grindstone. And there was a lot of pride in the that element. And, and I think one thing where you saw so many of these guys that were small school walk-ons from Montana that rose up, they were able to first compete in the weight room. They were able to first make their mark and earn respect amongst their teammates under the squat racks, doing power cleans. So how do you go about cultivating that sort of culture? And what do you think about the already pre-existing culture on this team that you already inherit you know it's funny you say that one of the first things we did with my first workout with some of the uh, rookie football players or freshmen our developmental group is we actually took them over and we've been doing some workouts in the old weight room with them um showing them you know that it's not all about the bells and whistles and all that we brought a bar in there and we just got to work and it was a conversation we had with the guys you know this isn't the prettiest thing it's not the best but there was a lot of great athletes and big-time professionals who went through these buildings. A lot of a lot of uh, wins were created right here in this room. So we kind of tried my first week in here, tried to trace it back and have those kids who have been here only a semester really start to embrace and understand the tradition um, that's here. I'm I'm pretty close with a lot of those guys from the mid 2000s, late 2000s when I was here, and so for me taking this job, I, I owe it to them to continue to build upon the work they put in and keep those traditions alive. Um, that being said, the program's in a great position. Coach Nicholson left these guys in a good position. It's not a like I'm in here to rebuild this. I'm just taking the baton and carrying on and running with Coach Houck and trying to uh, get this thing going again and continue to beat that other team across the state. Dan, we've seen a lot of uh, strength coaches get some – popularity um, over the last few years on the sidelines. Are we going to be wearing any Schmedium shirts or like crazy mustaches or anything to stand out? Because it seems like the strength coaches could be a little little interesting on the sidelines nowadays. You know, it's one of the things that I probably hate the most about the field I'm in. It's about as far from me as it could ever be. I would prefer to uh, not have anyone know who I am. For me, this is about the kids. It's not about me on game day. It's about those guys. The most you're going to see me doing on the sideline, if you happen to even know who I am, is you're going to see me celebrating with those kids, Um, not drawing attention to myself. It's all about those guys and letting Saturdays be them. Um, Game day for me is in the weight room every day. When I walk in at 6 a.m. and we get to work, you know, whether it's in January or June or whenever it is, that's game day for me. On Saturdays, that's for our boys so they can get out there and enjoy it and, and have fun. So it's it's definitely not for me, and if it, you know, if my background in journalism gives you any idea of how I feel on that, I was in the production side, so I'm not an on-camera person. It's not what I do, and even getting on here with you guys was a little bit of a, little bit of a stretch outside my comfort zone for sure. So that's a no on the skin-tight shirt. Then. <laughs> that would be an absolute no. Okay, just just check. It. But he's got maybe the best beard in town besides yours, truly. So we <laughs> we could keep rocking at least with the facial hair competition going on. Dan Ryan, new uh, strength coach for the University of Montana football program. And, Dan, I want to ask you about your time at, Ohio, at Idaho State. 
I read a great article uh, in the student newspaper at Idaho State from a couple years back talking about some of the challenges you went through there. Uh, but you were managing all 13 sports, and now I, I'm sure you'll have your hand in some other sports at Montana, but primarily as the football strength coach. How does things change, and what did you learn from doing a variety of different sports when it comes to athletic training? Yeah, it's, it was a great learning experience. Um, I, I owe a lot, of, a lot of gratitude to Coach Fennessy down there. He gave me the shot. Um, asked if I wanted to come run it, was very upfront about the challenges of it, but gave me the shot to come be there and let me run with the program. And I knew what I was getting myself into, but I didn't, not sure I really realized how I was going to pull it off. So some of the best learning experiences I've had as a coach happened there um, through failures and successes both. I think for me with a majority of my career being in football, um, prior to that time, it was fun to start to work so, with some of the other athletes and some of the other sports. I think it made me a better coach um, analyzing performance needs on the field and different training systems and different energy systems and how we could use different exercises to help these athletes reach their peak. So I think from a programming and X's and O's coaching standpoint, I learned a lot. Um, I also think I grew a lot in terms of creating culture. I was a one-person show there. I was responsible for every team. So for me, it was, you know, we're going to rebuild this thing. We're going to create Idaho State strength, um, rebuild it from the ground up, and create a culture here that's going to hopefully build success for these kids. So it was definitely a learning experience. But moving forward, going um, from 13 teams down to just working with football, I really anticipate I'm going to be able to spend a lot more one-on-one time with these guys, um, really focus on developing our our young guys as they come into the program and, you know, get them ready to build through and become producers on the field. So I think it'll, it'll allow me to get a little bit more in depth with each guy and position and everything like that more so than you can when you're dealing with all the teams. Dan, last question for me, more of an idea actually. Um, and probably not this spring because one of COVID and two, because you know, you're new, we're going to let you get your feet wet a little bit. What do you think about a media NFL combine next spring, <laughs> spring of 2022. And uh, that'll give us, you know, a year to train and stuff. And you could run all the, the local media through a little combine for us. What do you think? I'm all in. I will tell you right now, you guys better start getting some sprint work in. I don't want to see any blown hamstrings on our 40s. Um, I will have to find a different timing system. I'm not sure my stopwatches will run long enough. <laughs> let, let, let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all, you, all you need yeah. is a ruler to measure my bra, Jeff, and my vertical. <laughs> I promise you that. And I might blow my hamstring, too. But I think I gotta be the favorite in the clubhouse on the bench press, so maybe that's the one place I can shine. I think Rain Man, he might be able to get a little seven and a half, eight foot bra jump in. Then maybe like a 30-inch vert. We'll see. Hey, I'm down. Let's let's I do like it. it. it, it yeah, I'm interested now. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be evaluating you guys as next time <laughs> I see you on the sidelines and and then in the stadium. I'll be taking a look to see where we gotta make some improvements. Well, we hope that the next time that we're all in the stadium together is sooner than later. Uh, but either way, congratulations on your new job, Dan, and thanks so much for joining us today. He is Dan Ryan, the new football strength and conditioning coach at the University of Montana, joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. You're welcome back anytime, my man. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, guys, and go Grizz. Thanks, Dan. It is the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Paradise Falls, Wednesday nights, it's Wednesday. They got prime ribs, sixteen ninety five 
for the biggest hunk of meat you ever seen. They say it's a 12-ouncer. I know they gave me way more than that when I was in there last Wednesday. It was an impressive cut. It's uh, succulent. It's delicious. It comes with a bunch of baby baked potatoes, which are also really good. They, they roast them in this little butter. It's, it's super good. You get a salad. And uh, all the fixings, horseradish, ajou, all that, Paradise Falls, every Wednesday until it's gone. They start at 4 o'clock every single Wednesday evening, and they're just going to serve it all the way until it's gone or closing time, whatever that, whichever one comes first. So go check it out. Paradise Falls also a go-to spot to place, place all your bets for the weekend, no matter what you're doing for uh, sports gambling. You can head on down to Paradise Falls. They got 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It is your go-to spot on the south side of Missoula. 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Got a fun one coming up for you next. It's the debut of our Sports Medicine Corner featuring Dr. Michael Wright of Missoula Bone & Joint. We're going to break down all of the factors that go into ACL injuries, ACL tears, and ACL reconstructions and why, over the last generation or so, it used to be the kiss of death. And now... You can come back from an ACL, but we'll figure out why with Dr. Wright right after this, the Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone & Joint. It is Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Nuwana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula statewide SWX Montana Television Sports Director of SWX Sean Rainey joining me Coulter Nuwana's in studio as he will from uh, for all the Wednesdays moving forward. If you want to find us online 1029ESPN.com that's the station website. You're going to find the Listen Live tab, the podcast. And any other information about pertinent giveaways or updates from uh, around our station and ESPN at large, you can also go to SkylineSportsMT.com, although I know we are doing some maintenance right now, so it'll be back up by tomorrow for the uh, beginning of the week for Big Sky Conference basketball play, so stay tuned on that. We also have a new Big Sky Breakdown with Brooks Nuanas coming out uh, here tomorrow as soon as the website is back up. If you want to follow us on social media, Facebook, backslash ESPN Missoula. You can also find us on Twitter, at 1029 ESPN or at Skyline Sports MT. This is a new segment, and it's it's one that I uh, have been wanting to do for a long time, and we finally got it under control. It is our Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone & Joint. Well, very excited now to go to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line for a new segment. We will be doing this about once a month, sometime in the middle of the week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or Thursdays, just depending on what we have for the rest of the week. This will be our Sports Medicine Journal, sponsored by Missoula Bone and & Joint. And we welcome into the show, really happy to have the contribution of Dr. Michael Wright, an orthopedic surgeon there at Missoula Bone & Joint. Doc, thanks so much for joining us. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. So just broadly, the premise we're going to do here, we're going to address some, some specific injuries and what the injury actually means in the sporting world for, for an athlete, and then what the procedure to fix the injury might be and then what the recovery might look like after that. So today we're going to start with what has become one of the most, I wouldn't say commonplace in terms of frequency, but definitely 
uh, an injury that is in the the forefront of the uh, sporting fans' consciousness, and that's torn ACLs. We see torn ACLs not only in the NFL, not only in football, but across the spectrum for a variety of different sports. And particularly, I've talked to a lot of physical therapists around the state, and it seems to be actually even more prevalent in auxiliary sports for female high school athletes than maybe any other sector. Uh, but first, Doc, to start there, years ago... If you tore your ACL or you had any sort of knee tear at all, it seemed as if it was almost a kiss of death. You were going to be very hindered upon your return to uh, the field of athletic competition at the very best, and a lot of times that was it. It was over for you. And now here we are, you know, some 25 years later, a generation later, and it doesn't seem like it's nearly the kiss of death, right? So what has improved overall in, in the diagnosis and treatment of these sorts of injuries? Well, it, that's you bring up a lot of good points there with regards to ACLs. They, uh, you know, historically the ACL injury, as you were stating, really was uh, something that could end someone's career. Um, the surgical uh, treatment of an ACL injury has really evolved dramatically, all the way from attempting to repair the ligament, you know, back as early as the 1950s and 1960s, all the way up to a, a novel modern-day reconstruction, which is what we do. Uh, today. So historically, the ACL, you know, they could try to, to sew it back together, which would be repairing the ACL. And initially, that, that surgery was very unsuccessful and resulted in a very high uh, retear rate and failure rate. And so we evolved um, to doing a, a surgery called an ACL uh, reconstruction. And what that means is we take out the old ACL and then put in a new ACL uh, using some other graft type. So that's kind of the difference from an ACL repair to an ACL reconstruction. And then within the ACL reconstructive procedure itself, uh, the technology has just uh, expanded dramatically. And uh, I think the biggest advent uh, in terms of improving the surgery itself was the use of arthroscopy. And, and what that means is we can now do this surgery uh, primarily on a TV screen uh, where we don't have to even open people up uh, much at all anymore. And and when you can do surgery in a minimally invasive fashion, uh, we definitely see uh, quicker recovery, quicker return to sport, um, lower risk of complications. And so historically, ACL injuries were treated with a large surgery, multiple hours, uh, oftentimes uh, staying in the hospital for several nights. Uh, to control pain and for other issues. And now we, you know, ACL reconstructive surgery takes, you know, 60 to 90 minutes. It's done uh, kind of on an in and out basis, meaning people can go home the same day. Um, and so we've learned a lot about ACL reconstruction over the years. It's one of the most heavily researched uh, injuries, particularly in the athletic uh, population. There's just been a lot of research that's been done over the years that helped guide us in terms of how do we manage athletes appropriately. Do you feel like a lot of that research has stemmed from the fact that the the injury is a little bit, I, I don't want to say common, but it seems as if uh, it's a regular occurrence, particularly when it comes to contact or auxiliary sports? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, what's unique about an ACL injury is it doesn't heal on its own. You know, a lot of injuries in sports medicine, uh, like strains, sprains, bruises, I mean, they all kind of heal okay, but the ACL, it doesn't have a real robust blood supply. And without that, it, it has the inability to heal on its own. And, and that's why it's so heavily researched is because it doesn't heal on its own. And therefore, you know, modern medicine has tried to seek a solution to, to reconstruct it. And, and the function of the ACL, which I didn't talk about 
um, already, but the, the function of it is to really give someone a stable knee. It's to give them a knee that they can cut on, that they can plan on, that a running back can play on without the knee buckling and getting way. And so that's the goal of the operation is to restore someone's stability so they can continue to play cutting, pivoting type sports. At the highest level of football, we see a lot of ACL injuries come from contact, you know, hitting from the side, the buckling of the mm-hmm. knee, a lot of times the hyperextension. Uh, but in your field, I mean, what are the most common ways that you see athletes at all levels tear their ACLs? You know, the, the sport that comes to mind that's notorious for ACL injuries is, a, is actually a non-contact uh, injury in soccer. Uh, we see that a lot, particularly in, in uh, young female athletes. You know, the studies have supported that they're the highest risk demographic is young female athletes that, that are, would typically be running down the field. They would plant on their leg, and even without another athlete hitting them, they can tear their ACL that way. It's actually pr- pretty, uh, pretty common in non-contact injury, but we see it always. I mean, we see it with contact, and particularly as we head into this winter season, too, um, downhill skiing is, is particularly problematic for ACL injuries. It's very common to tear ACL skiing as well. I used to work over in Bozeman, and uh, I worked with APRS Physical Therapy for a while, and, and I used to talk with one of the head PTs over there, and he was talking about um, – a research project he had done about auxiliary sports, particularly basketball and volleyball for high school female athletes. And he gave me an astounding statistic. He said in his research, he found about one out of eight and a half, uh, maybe one out of nine uh, females that would play those sports would suffer some sort of ligament damage in their knee, most often an ACL tear. From a physiological standpoint, from just a body structure standpoint, why is that? Why, why is it so common for sports where females are jumping off of the ground that you might have uh, these, these ACL or other knee ligament injuries? Well, really good question. Very difficult to answer. Um, there's been a lot of different anatomical studies trying to address that question um for example what are answer the question what are the risk factors for acl injury and there has just been a, a lit more than i can count in terms of studies that have looked at everything from meniscal size to meniscal depth to intercondylar notch width to cartilage thickness the tibial plateau width and depth all these things that i'm bringing up are, are ways we can take measurements in someone's knee to try to say hey who's who's the person who's at risk of tearing your acl um so the real answer is we, we still don't truly know there's that the, the Studies are, are often kind of equivocal. They'll say suggestions, but nothing is really definitive. You know, one thing that I, I believe is true that I don't know is supported with scientific literature is, is typically young females that are hypermobile, meaning they're very flexible, uh, which is the common problem, seem to have the, the, the hardest problem with ACL. And the thought is if they're really flexible to begin with, when they jump or when they plant on their knee, their knee is already a little bit too mobile and the muscles can't, they're not strong enough to protect the knee and that may predispose them to to a higher level of injury. Again, that's that's more anecdotal than it is scientific, but uh, the, the real answer to your question is we still don't know. It, it's an active uh, active uh, area of research and expertise every year when we go to the annual meetings and read the journals. I mean, it's just constantly talked about and the reason is because we still, we still truly don't know. Uh, but we've come a long way. You know, I can tell you we, we know a lot more now than we knew even just 10 years ago in terms of this injury and how to best treat it. Dr. Michael Wright joining us. He's an orthopedic surgeon at Missoula Bone & Joint. This is our Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone & Joint. And, Doc, I want to ask you about the difference in the actual surgical procedure. Unfortunately, I have had a couple 
people really close to me that have had uh, multiple ACL tears, each of them. My best friend, he tore his ACL three times between his junior college basketball and then college football career. And my brother, who had played at the University of Montana, he also tore his ACL. So I've, I've been pretty up close and personal with the surgeries. But one thing my brother always talks about is just the difference between the way that the repair can happen, whether it's grafted from within your own leg muscles or you're grafting the, the ACL repair from a cadaver. So just take us through that element and sort of the differences and maybe the, the pluses and minuses of, of each of those two different types of ACL repair surgery. Yeah, there, you're absolutely right. There's two kind of main ways that we think about for graft choice with ACL. Um, and one option is to take it from a cadaver, from a dead person. Um, and we can take a variety of different tendons and use that to make the new ACL. And then the other option is to use what we call autograft. Auto just means we took it from you. Um, and there's multiple options within the knee that have been tried and that are used. The, the three main ways that an ACL is reconstructed in, you know, in 2021 are the patella tendon, the hamstrings, or the quadriceps tendon. And there's really pros and cons to each, each type of those different autographs. Um, the, the one that's been studied the most and is somewhat deemed the gold standard is the patellar tendon, with the thought being that when you take the, a portion of the patellar tendon, you also take a little bit of bone on both ends of the patellar tendon, and therefore you can achieve uh, bone-to-bone healing once you implant it into the patient. Um, and certainly uh, the patellar tendon is, is durable. It's what most of the NFL guys get you know, when you hear about them having their, their ACL done. But it's also the most painful way to have the ACL done. Um, it's a little bit more morbid in terms of taking the graft. You have to make a, a larger incision than you do with hamstring or, or quadriceps tendon. Um, but, you know, when we look at clinical outcomes, which is really, really important in medicine, it means, you know, how does the patient do afterwards? We do, there's been some large ACL cohort studies that show in young, very active people, so below the age of 25 is what we deem young, um, cadaver has a slightly higher rate of re-rupture, and that's somewhat of a controversial statement because there's studies that both support and refute uh, that claim, but in general, the consensus is that cadaver may not be quite as strong, but it's still very strong. Um, so we often uh, hesitate from using that in really young active athletes, college athletes, um, certainly professional athletes. But once someone's in their 30s, 40s, more of a recreational athlete, uh, cadaver is a great way to go because you don't have uh, any morbidity from taking part of your own knee. Uh, you can just take it out of the freezer, and so therefore the recovery is a little bit easier. And uh, it's just kind of a nice way to go uh, if you're a little bit later in life and not asking quite the demands. Uh, on your knee that maybe the running back for the Grizz would, for example. And last question for you then. One of probably the most um, quote-unquote prominent ACL tears we've seen over the last uh, six six months to a year was Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, former number one overall pick in the NFL draft and uh, former Heisman Trophy winner out of LSU. And I'm not sure, Doc, if you were familiar with that injury or if you saw it happen, uh, but just the general diagnosis was that he completely tore his ACL, and they said he also tore almost every other ligament in his knee. I don't know necessarily uh, if it was LCL, MCL, meniscus, whatever, but significant structural damage was how the Cincinnati Bengals doctors um, diagnosed that. So when you hear that, when you hear not just an ACL tear, but a full reconstruction probably needs needed what's the recovery process like uh, what does a guy like joe burrow have in front of him now if he wants to get back to full strength well he's got a he's certainly got an uphill battle you know it's it's so easy to look at adrian peterson and see what he did after his and and 
try to think that all ACLs are going to turn out like that. And, and just the, the reality is they, they don't. And in general, the more structures that are injured, the harder it's going to be to come back from an ACL injury. And so depending, and I don't know exactly what else he had injured in his knee, but if reconstruction of one of the other, um, there's four major ligaments that stabilize the knee. If you had to reconstruct any of those others, it's going to slow it down uh, substantially. Um, so he's got certainly an uphill battle. In terms of recovery, um, you know, as you know, it's often a season-ending injury. Uh, the return to sport is a little bit variable. In the literature, when you look at when people are returning to sport, it's usually between 6 and 12 months. Um, you know, I usually clear my patients at about eight months, depending on how the rehab process has gone. Um, but certainly he's got an uphill battle. And if certainly if he needed more than one surgery, meaning he needs, for example, an ACL reconstruction plus a posterolateral corner reconstruction, something like that, it just complicates it and it, and it makes it even tougher to come back from. Uh, but it certainly is something you can come back from. And every ACL injury is a little bit different. You know, we see a variety of different meniscal tear patterns that can impact recovery. We see partial ligament tears that can impact recovery. We see, you know, the athlete and how the quality of their rehabilitation and and certainly their own mental goals and personal goals that all come into play uh, when we're looking at outcomes. But yeah, for Joe Burrow, it's going to be an uphill road, but you you can certainly assume he's going to receive excellent care and his knee the best shot possible as as coming back to full, uh, full participation in the NFL. A real last question for you, then. When you're talking about professional athletes, you mentioned Adrian Peterson, and I always reference that when you talk about recovering from an ACL as a maybe just a normal civilian who just skis up at snowball on the weekends as compared to you know one of the great athletes that's walking around on planet Earth. Uh, so, I mean, do you feel like the fact that some of these guys that are coming back, particularly professional athletes, does, does that give people a skewed perception of what it takes to come back from one of these injuries because these guys are such you know, maniacal workers and just utterly gifted specimens. Yeah, I think, I think it, I, I think it does. I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, you, you know, I had a chance to work with some professional athletes in some of my medical training and, and it's just, it is, it is just remarkable the type of shape that these are guys, these guys are in, uh, particularly mid season. They're asking so much of their body. They're in phenomenal shape. And so if you're in that good of shape going into it, yeah, the recovery is probably not going to be as bad because you're going to have so much more toned muscle mass. So it'll just be a little bit easier for it to come back. And I don't mean to say those guys aren't, aren't working hard like Adrian Peterson, but yeah, I, I, I think it's probably easier for someone that's so well-conditioned to come back from from such a devastating injury. He is Dr. Michael Wright from Missoula Bone and Joint Orthopedic Surgeon here in Missoula. This is the debut of something super exciting. I've been wanting to do this for a really long time, so this is really great. The Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. We'll be back with you next month. We'll, get a little, we'll give you a little tease when we get a little bit closer to it is about what we'll diagnose next time. But, Doc, thanks so much for being with us. This was a true pleasure. Very interesting. Okay, thanks for having me, uh, Coulter. We'll talk to you later. There you go, Dr. Michael Wright. Once a month, presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. Very informative. Very good stuff there from Dr. Wright. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. We're late. we got to get out. We're going to debate a little bit more on the teams we drafted and uh, also talk a little bit about the beard, James Harden, heading to Brooklyn. Nuanas Now, back after this. 
Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuanas Now sent you. Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana joining me, Coulter Nuanez, in studio. If you missed anything in the show, you can listen on the podcast. Podcast is available on all your podcast hosting platforms or at the station website. That's 1029ESPN.com. The podcast is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Tease for tomorrow. Debuting another new segment. We got all sorts of new stuff for you. We got free stuff. We got new stuff. We got all sorts of uh, innovation going on here at Nuanas Now, Krista Redpath, standout basketball player for the Lady Grizz uh, in the early 2000s, a Great Falls native, and uh, now a longtime Missoulian and uh, a burgeoning and blossoming color commentator. She's done the uh, color commentating calls, a lot of SWX Montana games, as well as uh, a lot of the 11 sports and Pluto TV games, and she's also been the uh, head color commentator for the Big Sky Conference Women's Basketball Tournament for the last handful of years as well. She'll be joining me to debut our new segment around Big Sky Women's Basketball with Krista Redpath. So we'll look forward to having Krista here in studio. Also have Danny Sprinkle swinging by the show tomorrow, as well as Chris Cobb, associate head coach for the University of Montana men's basketball team. We'll preview all the action for this upcoming weekend of games. Montana is uh, hosting Northern Arizona on the men's side, at NAU on the women's side, and then Bobcat men are hosting Portland State, and the uh, women are on the road uh, at Portland State at the Stott Center. Sean, what do you want to do here? You want to talk James Harden to the Nets? You want to debate our Big Sky basketball teams that we drafted in segment one? What do you want no, to why, do? why don't we try to fit them both in if we can? Okay. Real quick here. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, this is this this is easy for you that does TV all the time. This is impossible for me with only five minutes left. But just, gotta be d- quick. just quickly, we drafted a team. Yep. We took the last decade uh, and we used all the, the Big Sky, Sky Conference, all yep. the Big Sky Conference, all the players available in the last decade. We just went alternating picks. And here are our squats. So I got Damian Lillard at point guard, Tyler Harvey, Eastern Washington shooting guard, Kareem Jamar, 
Bogdan Bliznik, Jake Wiley. Bench is Jonah Radabaugh, Saeed Pridget, Michael Ogine. Coulter's got Will Cherry, Andre Spite, Tyler Hall, Martin Broenig, Joel Ballenboy, Vinky Joyce, Quinton Hooker, and Harold Frey. So those are the squads. He went a little bigger. I went a little smaller, a little more versatile. He's got some shot makers in Spite and Hall. A little defense with Cherry, Ballenboy. Um... Lillard, Harvey. I mean, I like my squad, but I, I, I like both They're of both. our squads. I think that there's definitive ways that both these squads could win if they were playing each other. Because I got a guy in wheelchair who can guard Damian Lillard. We already know that to be true. That happened during their careers. I got guys that can shoot the ball at like almost nobody that the league has seen in Andre Spite and Tyler Hall. And then I got the size with Broiding, Ball, and Boy, and Joyce. But you got the best point guard in Damian Lillard by a long shot. You got probably the best athlete out of all of them, except I mean maybe Ball and Boy, but Jake Wiley is an mm-hmm. unbelievable athlete. He's a freaky yeah. athlete, and you got some really good defensive guys too. I mean, Will Cherry is a great defensive player, but so is Jonah Radabaugh, so is Michael Ogine. So I think that there's a lot of different ways that these teams could win. Yeah, and, we, and if you want to look at it, I tweeted it out at Sean Rainey on Twitter, and you know you can come at us. We're having a lot of people you know voicing their opinion. We want to know who you think's uh, team is better. It's kind of hard to visualize it probably when you're in the car listening right now, but those are the squads. If you want to continue that conversation, we can head on over to Twitter. I, I want to talk about some Nets, man. Yeah, we got to talk about the Nets. James Harden, a blockbuster deal today. It finally happened. He's out from Houston. He got traded for Karis LeVert and a bunch of other guys. Uh, but now he's going to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I hate it, but I'll let you give your take first. Well, I love it. From the drama perspective. I love yes. I mean, NBA is all about drama. It is all about it's drama. It's about God, it's like a soap opera. The NBA is great for two things. Drama and just a pl- and playoff series. Yeah. That's that's what the NBA gives us. And, you know, full disclosure, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden are three, if not the three, are three of my top five hated players in the NBA. Oh, wow. So now that because they're all... Of the, because of the three biggest ball hogs? So now that they're all on the same team, I am loving this. Like, they, they could be good, and if they're good, then they're going to go into the playoffs, and we're going to have playoff series with those three. But I think that this is going to be... Drama central. I think Kyrie is kind of crazy, and I don't understand how Kyrie and James Harden, who are just dribble, ball hog dominant guys, and then KD is over there as the best player out of the three, For sure. and he's not going to get the ball as much. Right. Like, this is just, and they traded away. All of their first-round picks for the next, like, five years. And Karis LeVert, who's a good player. Yeah, and so this is just, and poor old Steve Nash is sitting there walking into this absolute, as a first-year head coach, and they got all these egos. I do not envy Steve Nash right now. This is going to be fascinating to watch. They're probably, the over-unders in these games, like, half, they got to be, like, 250 points. Like, they're going to score, like, they're going to score, like, 130 a game, but they're going to give up 130 a game. Like, they are. It's going to be very, very crazy. From a basketball roster construction standpoint, I know we only got a minute left here on Nuanas now, but I just can't believe that, that we're going to reach this point where Kevin Durant has now played more than a decade in the NBA, and he's played with ball-dominant, ball-hog guys pretty much his entire career. In Golden State, those guys, you can't call them ball-hogs, but, the, but I mean, Steph Curry has the ball in his hands quite often. I just can't believe there's never been a team if I had Kevin Durant, I would just get a bunch of dudes who are like B B plus B minus players that can all shoot and play defense and just throw Durant the ball every time. He could average like forty a game if you yeah, just well, let him have the ball. Maybe he 
He can't be the guy, though. Maybe he can't. I, I just from think, a from a mentality standpoint, talent wise, he can. But I, I think there's something there mentally. Uh, it, it, there's he leaves something to be desired for sure. I just think this is a train wreck waiting to happen. I just wonder if Kylie, Kyrie Irving is still MIA. If maybe they shop him around and get rid of him, and then it's Harden and Durant, and that actually probably works better from a basketball standpoint. But you're right. This is gonna be dramatic. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're back at it at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Chris Redpath joining me for our debut of Around Big Sky Hoops. A couple other guests. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.